Christmas sweater day. So find your ugliest Christmas sweater. The uglier, the better. And uh, once you find the ugliest one, make it uglier. All right. Uh, do what you can do with that. We'll have some prizes like we did last year in the back um, during our meal time. We'll let you guys come out and and uh, walk the catwalk and and uh, show off the ugliness uh, of your sweaters. And we'll have some prizes for that. We'll have a good meal too. Uh, ham, turkey, and rolls will be provided, so bring a side dish and dessert to share, and we'll have a good time that day of fellowship. Then Wednesday, December 21st at 6.30, we're going to be having our Christmas candlelight service and cookie social. Service will start at 6.30. It's going to be a little bit shorter, and we'll have a a time of candlelighting and just a sweet service with a few hymns and things and a few specials. Um, And then right after, bring some cookies to share. We'll sit up in the back. We'll have some hot chocolate and coffee or whatever else you want to bring. And, uh, and as well, any cookies that you want, and we'll have a good time of fellowship there. Then on Christmas morning, all right, since it is Christmas Day, we won't have Sunday school or evening service. We're just going to have a 1030 worship service, and we will also have a gift for all those that are in attendance, all right? One other little announcement, it's sort of a housekeeping announcement. If you do not work in the sound booth, please leave the sound booth alone. Um, we're starting to have a few bugs and issues, not like literal bugs, but we're starting to have some issues that we've had to fix and spend a lot of hours fixing because uh, some things have gotten pressed around a little bit. So uh, if you work back there, that's fine. But if you don't, then please see someone who does work back there, okay? Um, but we are grateful, though, to worship the Lord. It is still our continued uh, Christmas series and Christmas services, and we're grateful for each one of you to be here today. I know we've got a lot of folks who are out sick and battling different viruses and head colds and things. So uh, let's remember them in prayer, but let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for the Lord just to help us today and for him to be glorified. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this day. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can gather, we can worship you, and we can praise your name. We thank you for this Christmas season that we can sing these carols and that we can be reminded uh, not just about the birth of our Lord, but his death, his burial, his resurrection for for sins. And Lord, we we thank you, God, that we can uh, be saved. We thank you that we can gather together with the saints of God to, to worship you and to fellowship with one another. We pray, Lord, that today... Every song that will be sung, every word that will be preached, Lord, that it will bring you honor and glory. Lord, that you would do a work in hearts and lives today. Open up eyes and ears and hearts to you, that we would re- receive you by faith today, that Christ would be revealed to us today through your word and through songs. And God, we just thank you that we can freely gather. And Lord, we pray for your presence to be known. We pray for your power to go forth through your word. And Lord, we thank you for this time and this beautiful season. Lord, may it remind us uh, of who Christ is and what he has done for us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There you go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house. And good morning to you all. And if you're able, please stand. And we'll start our singing on hymn number 271. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. Isaiah 49:13 is uh, the verse associated with this song. And it tells us to sing. That's the first word in the verse, sing. Okay, O heavens, and be joyful. Key word, joyful. O earth, and break forth into singing. O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. Thank God for his mercy. We all got his mercy one more day today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. Joyful, joyful, we are. 
sing. Praise resounds as earth rejoices in the birth of Christ the King. Shepherds kneel before the infant, trumpet sounds and anthems raise. As with joy our hearts are lifted, join in wonder, love, and praise. And if you're able, please remain standing. Hymn number 288, We Three Kings. Matthew 2, verse 1 and 2 tells us, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Amen. We three kings. Sing we now of Christmas, hymn number 275, Luke 2, 13 and 14 tells us, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Sing we now of Christmas. <clears throat> 
right there well before you be seated please uh, shake hands speak smile yell holler move around if you desire and uh, make everyone feel welcome and make everyone thank it you're glad to see them okay <laughs> all right <laughs> thank y'all for helping out Special music by Tony. They <coughs> said for you to use a mic. Yeah. You got I, one right here. Yeah. Because they said that wasn't working. You want it here in the middle, or where do you want it? Probably right there would be good. About the right height? Yeah, I can make it work. Appreciate you filling in. All right, we'd be making our way back to our seats. I think most everybody's had time to speak, and shake hands, and wave, smile, praise the Lord. So we have a special music now by Mr. Tony Hicks. Brother Tony. Well, good morning. We're, uh, well, I, originally Larry was supposed to sing, but uh, he got the, the coffin and a hack, and so he asked me to sing for him. So I, 
I ain't got a Christmas carol per se, but I've uh, I've got a song about the Lord, which is uh, which is all, what Christmas is all about, like JL said. And um, as we sang, joyful, joyful. I don't think we sung the exact verse, but uh, verse in that says, song says, uh, "Joyful, joyful, we adore the God of glory, God of life." Hearts unfold like flowers before thee. And uh, that's my prayer this morning, that uh, hearts are unfolded as we worship the King of Kings. As the deer panteth for the water so my soul longeth after thee you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship thee you alone are my strength my shield to you alone May my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are the king. And I love you more than any other, even more than anything. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship thee. I want you more than gold or silver only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart. Desire and I long to worship thee. Well, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are the real joy giver and the of my eye you alone are my strength my shield to you alone 
may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. y'all would bow with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for this day. Thank you for your blessings of this life and this day. Thank you for your love again this day. Thank you for your faithfulness again this day. Lord, we praise you for just so much love and your providing for us and your daily provisions and benefits and care and protection we can't thank you enough for getting us through another week lord and we ask lord you to help us here today to worship you in spirit and truth in song in the preaching lord help us to be attentive and listen to the words that you give the man of god here today and lord help us to be obedient and uh, be convicted of things in our lives and yet be encouraged at the same time from your word. And just help our pastor and strengthen him as he preaches, Lord, today for you. And, Lord, we pray for every need represented in this uh, assembly here today. Every, everyone's got something special, different, individual needs and, Lord, family needs and uh, Maybe some needs at work, and but we we lift them all the needs up to you, and ask Lord you would help and bless, and Lord get us get us through all these things that we deal with every day, and help us to lean on you, and trust in you for everything daily, and uh, Lord won't tell you we love you, because you first loved us. It's a privilege and an honor to be in your house here today, and thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you're able, please stand. We'll sing one more song here. Worthy is the Lamb. Revelations 5.12 tells us, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy of all that and more too. Worthy is the Lamb. for the cross Lord thank you for the price you paid bearing all my sin and shame in love you came and gave amazing grace thank you for this love Lord thank you for the in your cleansing flow now all I know your forgiveness and embrace worthy is the Lamb 
Grateful for the worship this morning and for the song sung. Thank you, Tony, for being willing to, to step in there and, and a beautiful song. And I think that was just as Christmassy as anything. You know, Christmas truly is uh, not just a, as we've sung this morning already. It's not just about uh, that, that Christ came and was that cute little baby in a, in a manger and swaddling clothes and all that stuff. Uh, but is that he came to live a life that we could not live, to die a death of which we deserved and to bear the sin of which we could never carry. He would go and He would die. He would be raised again to offer us life. Jesus came for a purpose. He didn't come just for these Christmas lights and for this, this holiday, but He came for so much more. And so I'm grateful that we could sing about that today. And truly, worthy is the Lamb today. Take your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter number 2 this morning. Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to be in Philippians 2 today looking as we are continuing this Christmas series uh, dealing with the Christ of Christmas. And today... The sort of the idea of this is we're answering what does it mean when we sing songs like what child is this? What does it mean that God has put on flesh? What, what does it mean when we're talking about this babe who has been born in Bethlehem to a virgin mother who is the Son of Man and the Son of God, who is God uh, in the flesh, the Word made flesh? What does this all mean and why does it matter to us today? And so as we're going to look here today, we're going to find something about this Christ of Christmas. Last week we talked about this sort of mind-blowing paradox that He is both meek and mighty. And this week we're going to look that He is lowly and Lord. Uh, before we get any further, I want you to understand this, that Christ did not become Lord after uh, a certain time. It wasn't after His baptism or His death or His resurrection or His ascension. He was Lord long before Bethlehem. He was Lord in Bethlehem as that babe. He has never not been God. He is God. But He is God that put on flesh. And we're going to see what that means. The lowliness, the humility of Christ today. 
Philippians chapter number 2, we're going to read verses 6 through 11 this morning. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this day, and, and Lord, certainly I feel that there's a great deal of distraction this morning. There's a great deal of, of minds wandering, Lord. There's a great deal of fleshliness this morning. Help us now, Lord, to rid us of all these things, to be focused upon you and you alone, God. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, fill each one today with your presence, with your power would go forth through your word, Lord, that you would speak to us today, reveal Christ to us today, that we would re- receive what we need today, Lord, and that you'd be glorified through the work that you're going to do amongst your people. Lord, save a soul that's nearest hell, God. Strengthen the saint, Lord. Humble the saint that is full of pride today, Lord, that we might see Christ and his lowliness, but that we might see Christ who is Lord and and forever shall be. May we bow now and confess now. And Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we look to your word, God, that it would speak to us and move amongst us. Lord, we we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in Philippians, Paul is going to be giving some things specifically speaking to them earlier on in these Verses about unity in the church, having uh, the right relationship with one another, right? My joy would be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Right? He's talking about if the church is going to function properly, it must be done through humility. I would say the exact same thing today that Paul says because it was true then, it's true now. The only way that your Christian life will ever function as a true Christian life, it will be through humility. The only way that the church will grow in maturity and in grace and knowledge will be through humility. The only way that you will see most of the problems that you are facing in your current life, spiritually, physically today, will be through humility. The great reason why we face much of what we face and the struggles of which we face today is much because of our pride. We refuse to bow down to the Lord. We refuse to give Him and surrender all. We would sing at an altar call, I surrender all, but our hearts will be I surrender some. And we've got to understand that that's not humility, that's pride. We've got a great pride problem and we often don't truly realize it. When we read the lyrics to what child is this and we think then about the humility of God Himself that would put on flesh for us. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Let's pause. You remember this. Who made Mary? Jesus. Who was born to Mary? Jesus. Think about that humility of Christ. Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This is... This is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring Him, Lord, the babe, the Son of Mary. The greatest gift of Christmas and the greatest lesson of Christmas is not just that Jesus came, but the way in which He came. It is humility. Humility doesn't sound like a Christmas message at all. It sounds like one of those toe-stomping messages. But I can tell you this, that what we need today, this Christmas season, as we're moving forward as a church as believers, as individuals, as families, as we are looking at this end of the year and this beautiful time of Christmas and entering into 2023 already, we've got to come to a place of humility. Nothing should humble us more than looking to Christ. Nothing should humble us more than looking at who Jesus is and seeing what Jesus has done for us. 
Nothing should be more humbling even than the Christmas message. To think that the Holy One of God, God Himself would put on human flesh that you and I have on and would come and live amongst His own creation. To think about the lowliness and the meekness of Christ. To think about the humility of what that means. Some of us are too stubborn and prideful to to bend over and take out the trash or clean the toilet. Or to pick up a piece of trash in a church pew that we see. Jesus Himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, who is from everlasting to everlasting, looked at your sin and my sin, and He said, the only way for them to come to the Lord is for me to go to them and to put on flesh. That's humility. The greatest need of all of mankind is humility, and Christmas teaches us this lesson as we look at the Christ of Christmas. All of the Christian life, truly, all of our sanctification can be found in this desperate need of humility. Humility will solve a multitude of our spiritual problems. Where there is no humility, there will be no holiness. Where there is no humility, there will be no growth in the knowledge of the Lord. Where there is no humility, you will never walk closer to the Lord. Where there is no humility, you will not be more part of the church. Where there is no humility, there is no church growth. Where there is no humility, there is no uh, family unification. Where there is no humility, the list goes on and on and on. But here we find that Jesus, the one who, of all people, should not be humble, is the humblest of all. John Flavel wrote about humility. He said, They that know God will be humble. And they that know themselves cannot be proud. I believe he hits the nail on the head there. If we know who God is, it will humble us. If we see what child is this, if we see the Christ of Christmas, it will bring us to a humble place. To think that the God who saw you in your sin would come and put on flesh and then would literally be laid in a feeding trough for animals and would be, as we're going to see here in Philippians, die the death of a criminal, of a murderer, to bear your sin in mind, that's lowliness. That's humility. That's our Lord. Christmas is truly the beginning part of the Gospel. The Gospel is the humiliating account of the depths God went to in order to save sinners. And I'm afraid that many of us, the longer that we've been saved, have forgotten that Christ stooped so low to clean you up and to save you and to make you new. There is a great danger to us who have been a part of many Christmas services and a part of many Christmas series and have sat in church for for years and years is that we become so familiar with Christ that we forget truly who He is and what He has done for us. We forget as well how sinful and wretched and wicked and vile we were and that Christ, instead of just throwing us a rope, got in the muck and the mire and the mud of the world with us, yet without sin. That Christ came to literally be amongst our shame and our sorrows and became our very sin itself. That's lowliness. That's humility. That's our Lord. Our greatest problem is this, though. That we are not lowly enough. And our greatest problem on top of that is that we have not made Him Lord of our life enough. He remains Lord whether you bow your knee or not. 
He remains sovereign. He remains God. He remains Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, whether you want to bow your knee or not. But I will tell you this today, as we look at the Christ of Christmas, the greatest thing that you can ever do this Christmas is to humble yourself. You say, well, I'm already saved, but that's good. Your journey of humility has just begun. We must be brought lower. And the way up is by going down. The lower we go, the higher Christ is lifted. The more humble we become, which is the more Christ-like we become, and the more that the Lord Jesus Christ is magnified and glorified. The greatest thing that you can give to your children this Christmas is that you would be humble and that you would show them the Lord that you would demonstrate humility, that you would give with humility, that you would love with humility. The greatest gift that you can give to one another is that you would live like Christ as we are called to lowly, humble. As we look here today, we're going to see verses 6-8 through eight, that Christ is lowly. The entire life of Christ was one of humility and absolute surrender. It was one of which He came to do the will of the Father, the will of the One who had sent Him, He even said multiple times, I came not to do my own will, but I came to do the will of the One who sent me. Jesus came knowingly to lay down His life for the sins of the world. He came knowing that He would be, uh, uh, as the Creator, that He would then step down into His creation to be held by someone that He had created. That He would then be raised by someone that He created that He would then learn to walk on the ground which He created, that He would breathe the air of which He created, that He would live amongst sinful people that He had created, that He came to live and die for. Do you want to talk about lowliness and humility? Look no further than Jesus, the very God of heaven, the very Holy One of holy ones. His earthly life was years of traveling lower and lower in lowliness. Real humility never seeks a step up on the ladder. Real humility never looks to take a step up the flight of stairs. Humility and real humility never wants to be seen. Pride wants to be seen. Pride wants to show off. And if anyone could have shown off what they could do, it was Jesus. Literally from His birth, He could have done anything He wanted to do because He was the same one that created all things, that sustained all things, that was before all things. But instead, he humbled himself to even come to the place where he was dependent upon one that he created. If you've been around babies or infants, you know this, they need their mama, don't they? They need their mama, probably maybe a little bit more than their daddy, because <laughs> daddy can't feed them. Not until bottles come around and not until some baby food comes around and and they can start eating some pieces of bacon or some grilled cheeseburgers and stuff, right? But, <laughs> but mama's milk is what that baby needs. That baby knows one thing, and one thing only. I need my mother's milk. Have we ever thought that the God who needs nothing put on flesh and was dependent upon this virgin girl? The humility that that would take? The one who... All of heaven served, adored, worshipped, and sang to, then came and cried for his mama, would need his mother's milk. Lowliness. What our life is to look like if we are to be Christ-like, it is to be absolutely dependent, absolutely surrendered to our Lord. It is to be humble as he was humble. 
The church has no room for, hum- for, for pride. Your, your Christian walk has no room for pride. Our homes have no room for pride. Your business has no room for pride. This Christmas, we need a humility checkup. See, the only times in Christ's life that we find up in the Gospels is this. That He would be going up to Jerusalem geographically. Place of hills, of elevation. That He would be then lifted up on the cross. As Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But all that, what we find is that He went down to Jerusalem. Down to the cross. Because He is the very same One who is in the heights of the heavens. He's the very same One who is in the throne room of God. Uh, the One who spoke all of creation and held all of creation. He is God. And when we think about His humility, this is what it means is that from the very moment He leaves heaven, He goes down, 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 even so far down that as He's risen and lifted up on the cross, that is still further down than what He deserves. But He would go further, even into the depth of the grave, to raise again that third day for you and I to secure our salvation. As we look here at Christ's lowliness, what we find is that man does the opposite of what Christ did. Where Christ, here in verse 6, who being the form of God, thought not Robert be equal with God, he descended down. His person and position is eternally God. That never changed. But his position was willingly to descend into his own creation to save those who rejected him. That's humility. You see, there was one who God had created, even Christ Himself had created. His name was Adam. He placed him into a perfect garden. He was a perfect man. He, he had no sin amongst him, but yet he had the ability to sin. He had one rule, and only one rule that God had given him. And you know what that first man, Adam, did? He was full of pride. He said, much like the devil, I will ascend to the Most High. I will be like the Most High God. And he disobeyed God. And in so doing, his pride led him to fall. That is what pride does. The first Adam wanted to be like God through disobedience. But the second Adam, the true Adam, the better Adam, the greater Adam, Jesus Christ, the God-man, who is lowly in Lord, wanted to glorify God by choosing obedience, even obedience unto the death of the cross. When man is left to himself, man is always seeking never to go lower but to go higher. You don't start a career and say, you know, I want to be the most mid-level person that I can be. I want to be the lowest person on the totem pole my entire career. I want to be a nobody in my life. Now, you ask a kid that's playing baseball what they want to be when they grow up. They want to be the best baseball player that there is. You ask a, a, a fireman or a teacher. I, I don't know any teachers that I ever taught me that, that always want you know, I want to be the lousiest teacher I can be. Just barely squeak by. Never heard that before. Never heard about mechanics or moms or dads or any other thing. Never heard about anybody or any, any other profession in this life. You think of anything and there's nobody who says, I want to just want to stay on the bottom. I want to be a bottom feeder. No. Mankind in his sin wants to ascend and to climb and to make a name for himself. You see, we see it in the, in the world, in the secular world with jobs and with money and with houses. We want to have the 
nicest house, the nicest car, the nicest position, the most in the bank account, the most authority, the most name that's known in the community. All of these things is nothing more than pride. Sadly, we do the same thing in church. We'll go, well, you know, I, I want to make sure that people know who I am. I want to make sure that people know how much I give, that I can throw my weight around here. I, I want to make sure that people know how I serve, and I want to make sure that people know my position in church. I want to make sure that people know how long I've been here, and therefore I must matter more than they have. There's no humility there. What we see is that our sinful flesh does the opposite of what Christ did. Christ, the King of kings, the King of creation, descended from that. He left that to die for you and me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 tells us this. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Jesus, the most wealthy of wealthy, the one who could speak and gold bricks could appear, the one who spoke and angels appeared in creation and sang to Him songs of worship from eternity past to eternity future, came humbly and lowly. He left that. The one who was rich became poor so that you and I can become rich in Christ. The poorest Christian is the most rich in this world. May you and I understand that it is humility that Christ honors. It is humility which Christ exemplifies. It is humility at Christmas that shows us the Christ of Christmas. Furthermore, in verse 7, we find what else this lowly Jesus has done? He descended, and it says, in being, uh, but made himself of no reputation and was, took upon him the form of a serpent and was made in the likeness of men. Here, his glory, the very glory of God, is veiled in human flesh. John 1.14 tells us uh, this. Uh, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 1.19 tells us this, For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. That here Jesus is not just an ordinary baby, but He is the God-man, God Himself, who created all things and needs nothing put on flesh, and then was in need of a, of a little girl to be his mother and to feed him, to take care of him, to nurture him. What a thought this is to think about the depths that God went to save my soul and yours. And meanwhile, you and I get puffed up with pride. We become uncaring. We become unconcerned with lost souls. We become unconcerned with worship. We become uncommitted to church and to evangelism. We become uncommitted to our Bible reading and to prayer life. And the very reason why we do so is because we fail to truly see the Christ of Christmas. The great humility and humiliation of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says not only that He put on no reputation, took Him upon Him the form of a servant, then look at this. He served the one who all of creation is made to serve. It's all made to serve Him to His glory, and yet He comes in the form of a servant. It would be He who would serve. What a thought that is. You see, I can't think of any politicians that have stooped down to serve anybody. 
I can't think of any kings or queens who have stooped down to serve the poor. I can't think of any. What other king has left his throne to serve the ones that he's created? None. When we see here the very king of creation, this idea of his absolute graciousness, it is that the king is serving the beggars at the gate. That's the manger scene. The king of kings came to serve the ones that should serve him. There's a song that goes this way with a, a stanza. Who is this divine and tender hailing from eternal shores, once arrayed in highest splendor, now in poverty adorned? He is Jesus, God made mortal, word and flesh, the light of life. From a throne room to a stable, hope is born this holy night. What king has ever done this? The idea of Grace itself is unmerited favor, is it not? We know that definition. We, we say it and we forget all about grace all the time. But the picture of the definition of grace is a king stooping down and washing the feet of a beggar, of a pauper. Christ, who made His disciples, would stoop down and wash their feet. He would serve them. The blind and the lame and the deaf and the mute and the poor and the, the needy and the leper, He would serve them. The Lord came to seek and to save and to serve His creation. But look at this. The very fact that He would put on flesh is astounding. The very light of God, the very love of God, the very manifestation of God manifests now in flesh to us. It says, it was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. Puts on real immortality. He will feel real pain. He will shed real blood. He will have real emotions. He will be truly rejected. His body will truly be broken. His blood will truly flow. And he will truly die. And he will die not for any crime of which he committed, but rather for the crimes of which you and I have committed. That's our lowly, humble. Christ. But then it says that He became obedient. The one whom the stars obey and the planets obey and all of creation obeys, the one whom the seas obeys, would be obedient to His Father. Obedient to His Father even unto death, the death of the cross. The sinless died in the sinner's place. John chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus says, in verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is what He has come to do. True humility obeys and seeks not His own. That's who Christ is. Christ is certainly lowly. And here, as Paul is writing Philippians chapter 2, he is telling them that you too must live a humble life and let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who then, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself no reputation, took upon the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, as he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what should our life look like? Humility. 
What should our church look like? Humility. What is keeping you from healing and growth and strengthening in your Christian walk? Humility or a lack thereof. Humility will solve your spiritual issues. But as we see this, I want to focus for just a moment. There is nothing more humiliating than the death of the cross. Jesus Christ Himself, the very One who was in the beginning because He is the beginning, the One who spoke the beginning, would come to His physical end there on the cross before His resurrection. He would bleed and die for you. Real drops of blood. Real pain. Real agony. Left there out in the open, naked and bare before man. Naked and bare before His Father. Even to the place and the point where there were those who came and openly mocked Him and ridiculed Him. The shame of which was there upon the cross. For everyone that died upon a cross died justly except for this one man. He died unjustly. The just for the unjust. He died the most heinous and wicked and vile of deaths. What other God has done such? None. What other king has done such? None. This is lowliness. This is humility. That Christ would die, uh, not just the death for us that, that, that we deserve, but He would die the most cruel of deaths. He didn't just come and faint. He didn't just come and, and kill over or fall asleep and, and, and wake up in heaven. No. He was brutally beaten. He was brutally made fun of and spat upon and beaten with his hair pulled out. His body was marred beyond any other man. That's humility. That's our Lord. You see, not only is He lowly, as we've seen, but verses 9-11 through of Philippians 2 show us that He indeed is Lord. That same Lord who was so lowly there in that manger and so lowly in His life, His life full of humility, so lowly in the cross and the cruelty of which He faced, so lowly in the real grave of which He laid, so lowly in all that He ever did in this world. He is Lord in all of those things. Notice this. Verse number 9, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him. It is not just exalted some, but that idea of highly, it is that He is super exalted, exalted the Most High, that there is no one and nothing higher than Christ. And this is why we can never praise Him enough. This is why we can never uh, over-pray or over-preach or over-sing uh, uh, to Him, over-give. You can't do any of those things. Because there is none higher, none more worthy, none more righteous, none more holy, none more deserving than Jesus Christ the Lord. And this is why you and I can never get low enough in worship. This is why you and I can never be brought low enough. Because He could never be brought high enough. But He has given a name above all names. Given Him a name which is above every name. There is none like Jesus. There might have been an Alexander the Great, but he wasn't great in comparison to Christ. 
You name anybody and anything, and they are nothing compared to Christ. And when you and I compare ourselves to Christ, we are nothing compared to Christ. Therefore, who are we to have an ounce of pride within us? Christ is Lord. We are not. Not only is He just Lord, but as we're going to see in just a moment, He is King of kings and Lord of lords. There is no comparison. As we are told in the Old Testament, that He alone is God. There are no others. There is no one else, nothing else that can compare to Him. None match His person, His character, His nature. None match His position. And God the Father has exalted the humiliated and lowly Son. Most of us are looking for exaltation in our life without humiliation. First of all, we should never be seeking our own exaltation, but only the glory of God in our life. But the only way to see either one of those in life is going to be found through humility. If we ever wish to see God glorified in our life, in our walk with Him, it will be through real, genuine humility. He's exalted His name, and His name is His character. It is His person. It is who He is. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All will bow and all will confess. Notice that. All should bow now, but all will not. And what will keep anyone from bowing and confessing Christ today, even now in this very room, in this very service, is nothing more than pride. It is a failure to see you for who you are. It is a failure to see Christ for who He is. It is a failure to see the Christ of Christmas who is lowly and Lord. He is no mere baby. He is no mere mortal. He is Christ the Lord who came in lowliness and meekness to put on flesh to die for us. Jesus is Lord of lords from eternity to eternity. And we must bow and confess now in faithful obedience. But for those who don't, there is coming a day that you will still yet bow and confess. But it will not be for your another chance at salvation. It will not be for another opportunity for mercy because you will find none. But there is coming a great and a grand and a glorious day where all shall bow the knee to Christ and confess Him as Lord. But those who don't do it on this side of the grave, you will bow your knee and confess that Christ is Lord to your own damnation and judgment. There is a real hell. There is a real heaven. And the stakes for both is what you do with Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not a week from now. Not on your deathbed because there's plenty who never make it to a deathbed to die on. Today is the day of salvation. Have you bowed your knee in humility to the lowly Lord Jesus Christ? Have you confessed Him not just as Christ the Savior, the Messiah, but as Lord of your life. There are countless who are happy for Jesus to save them and to have them not go to hell, but there are very few who are willing to have Him be the Lord of their life. To be Lord of their life means that you're not. It means that this life is not yours. It does not belong to you. It means that your dreams, your wants, your wishes, they're gone. It means now that He is the Lord, the sovereign one over all of your life because it belongs to Him. And if you truly see the Christ of Christmas, you'll find that there is not a, a second of your life that should not belong to Him. We give Him Sunday mornings. 
We give Him maybe some time before a meal and we'll pray. We maybe give Him some, some other fellowship. Maybe we'll read our Bible some. But does He have all of you? Because if you're saved, He has given you all of Him. But it takes humility to do so. A crushing humility. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, meaning Savior, Christ, Messiah, the Anointed, the Sent One of God, Lord being the ruler over all. Revelation 19 tells us this. In verse number 11. This is at the very end and Christ is about to return here and to set up His kingdom to put all of His enemies under His footstool. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and He that sat upon Him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. I want you to know that this lowly Jesus that came at Christmas is not coming so lowly next time. He's coming to make war. He came the first time and he brought peace with his death and his burial and his resurrection. But yet he also said in his earthly ministry that he came to make a sword. He came to cause division. He even said in the latter times that there will be mothers against daughters and fathers against sons and brothers against sisters and family against family because of there will be those who are not in Christ and those that are. The Gospel both unites and divides, my dear friend. He says, His eyes were as a flame of fire. That's His holiness, His righteousness burning. And I can tell you this, with one look, that judgment will take place. One look is all it will take. He says, and on his head were many crowns. Because he is Lord. Only he gets to wear the crown. Only he has all authority. Only he has all rule and power and might and strength. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Notice this. And his name was called the Word of God. John chapter 1 tells us all about that. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's his bride. That's you and I, if you're in Christ. He says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, and on his Thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. There is none like Jesus. Today, have you bowed your knee? Have you truly confessed Christ? Let me ask you today, you say, well, I'm saved and, and I'm just thankful that I'm not going to hell. Well, that's wonderful. And I'm glad that Christ has saved you. But is He Lord over your life? Have you given Him everything to Him? He, he deserves it all. And I promise you that to not give Him something in your life is to fight Him over it. And I don't want to fight with the one who was just described in Revelation 19. I would much rather bow my knee in humility. The very same one who is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who humbled Himself to die for me. We find this at everything. In Philippians 2, He says that the name of every... Uh, of Jesus, every knee should bow and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice this, to the glory of God the Father. Your humility exalts the Lord. Your pride spits in His face. Your refusal to bow your knee 
shakes your fist at God who loves you so. But your humility glorifies Him and gives Him honor and praise and gives Him the ability to use you in this life today. So where's your life at right now? Where are you at this Christmas? Are you trusting Christ? Are you born again? And two, if you are, have you surrendered your life in humility to the Lord Jesus Christ? I want to close with this. Listen to these words. It is a song entitled Emmanuel. The light of life descended to the world He made. The ageless rock of ages in a manger laid. Behold the Word that bore our flesh. The heart of God inside an infant's chest. The infinite incarnate in a virgin's hands. The radiance of the Father and the Son of Man. Behold the peace that pierced the night. The hope of nations in a baby's cry. Emmanuel, glory in the highest. Emmanuel, heaven here beside us. God Himself with us now to dwell. Emmanuel, the sinless King of heaven, crowned with guilt and shame. The cornerstone was fastened to a wooden frame. Behold the Lamb that crushed our curse and died to pay the price of our rebirth. Light and darkness, might for meekness, all the glory be to Jesus. Love has sought us, grace has reached us, all the glory be to Jesus. Today the message is simple. Come humbly to the lowly Lord Jesus Christ. He humbled Himself. Have you? We must humble ourselves this Christmas. Come see as we peer in and we see the manger scene and we see the babe. We see the real Christ of Christmas who is meek and mighty, lowly and Lord. And today... If you're living a miserable Christian existence, you will continue to do so until you bow your knee. This Christmas, the greatest thing that you and I could ever receive from the Lord, and if He, get, if he never gave us another thing, He'd be more just and gracious and merciful to us than we could ever imagine. But if He were to give us one more thing this year, I hope it's a humble heart. A humble heart that can see Him for who He is and what He has done. Let's all stand this morning. In just a moment, we're going to have this invitation hymn. And this altar's open. Today, if you don't know Christ, come. Bow your knee and confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be ye saved. Be born again by this Lord who humbled Himself for you to die a death of which you deserved. And today, if you are saved, but you're struggling in your Christian walk, find yourself at this altar. I can tell you this, the only reason why you won't if you know that you ought to is because of pride. And don't let pride get in the way of you meeting with your God. Come to Christ. Bow and confess Christ the Lord who was made low for us. What number are we singing, brother? Number 487. This altar's open. Room at the cross. Hymn number 487.